The Incomparable is sponsored by Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus lets you binge on thousands of hit shows anytime, anywhere, on your TV, PC, smartphone, or tablet. Support The Incomparable and get an extended free trial of Hulu Plus when you go to HuluPlus.com slash Snell. That's HuluPlus.com slash Snell. My name. Or go to this episode page at 5x5.tv slash Incomparable slash 157 and click on the Hulu Plus link. The Incomparable, number 157, September 2013. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. We are convening another edition of our comic book club. Uh, I decided that we're, we had such a great time talking about um, comics with, with Merlin Man, in fact, not too long ago, that uh, we, would, uh, we would come back and do it again. Uh, there are a couple comics out there right now that I feel like everybody's talking about as uh, comics you must read uh, if you want to read like what's going on today, the, the like hottest comics today. And one of them is Saga, which we talked about in episode 154 with Merlin and Dan Warren and Tony Sindelar. And we're back to talk about the, the other one that keeps coming up. First, I heard about it was actually on a previous comic book club when Jason Brightman mentioned it. And, uh, well, he was right. It's great, and we're going to talk about it tonight. It's Hawkeye, written by Matt Fraction. And I know you're saying it's the guy with the bow and arrow from the Avengers. And I know, it seems ridiculous that a comic about Hawkeye would be so beloved. And rightfully so. But it's true. That is the amazing thing about this comic by Matt, Matt Fraction. And primarily drawn by, I'm going to get the name right, David Aha. He's Spanish, you see. Um, and there are fill-in artists because he can't... He, apparently, he can't draw fast enough to fill the holes of every single issue. Uh, but he's the primary artist. So, uh, fantastic comic. We're going to talk about it tonight. We're going to cover the first two trades, which is essentially issues 1 through 11 of Hawkeye. Um, we, If we do mention something in issue 12, we'll do it at the end and blow the spoiler horn. But really... I want this to be something that you can go on Amazon or Comixology and get and read and then listen to the podcast. So it's readily available. Issues 1 through 11, the first two trades of Hawkeye. Now, joining me to talk about Hawkeye are uh, some of the names that I have just mentioned. Merlin Mann is back again. Hi, Merlin. Hey, team. (laughs) It's good to have you. Because boomerangs. Yeah, because boomerangs. Bro. 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 Seriously, bro. Bro. Okay. Dan Morin, this looks bad. Stop all this uh, Stop all this futzing around. That's all I got to say. <laughs> all right. Dan Morin is here. Tony Sindelar also back with us for another comic book club. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jason. Pizza is my business. <laughs> sure. You can be the dog. That's fine. And not in the, not in the last uh, episode, but she's, she's back with us again tonight. It's Lisa Schmeiser. Hi, Lisa. Hello, bro. 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 <laughs> bro, bro. 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 Seriously. Uh, I don't even know where to begin here other than to say again, who thought that Hawkeye would be uh, a guy who would have a comic that everybody would love? But the whole point from the very first page of the very first issue of Hawkeye is, well, I guess the second page, uh, is this is what he does when he's not being an Avenger. And that is the thing that gives it, I think, so much... Uh, independence, lightness, uh, ability to have a very different tone than superhero comics because it's about this guy. It's about Clint Barton. He's got a, you know, he's got a, a bow and arrow and he can shoot and he knows the Avengers. But 
this is not what this comic is about. This comic is about him and his life and his building that he lives in and his neighbors and his friends and his dog and his dog <laughs> there's an entire issue done from the perspective of his dog i think that's the greatest thing ever so when i was talking to people about this i was talking to people about this and they said well you know issue one is so fantastic and i said yes and and then i had somebody say well actually you know issue three is fantastic cherry and i said Yes, okay. Have you read issue 11? And they said, no, I haven't read issue 11. Issue 11 is even better than issue 1 and issue 3. These are, there are so many amazing stories that have been told in, in a comic that, you know, in the first 11 issues of this comic, issue 11 is told entirely from the perspective of Lucky, also Arrow, also Pizza Dog. Uh, it's just, you know, I, I don't even know. I could be, I'm going to be effusive about this comic. I, I think there are some, I think some issues are better than others. And I think it's got some story issues that it's had to deal, deal with. And I heard from somebody who thought that the most recent issues weren't as strong as the first few issues. I don't know. Number 11. Uh, but uh, let's just get started at, at the beginning. I guess um, I should ask you guys uh, how you heard about it and what has, uh, you know, what, what you really, what drew this, drew you to this? What, uh, what do you like about it? Let's start with Lisa. I heard about it from Jason Brightman. Oh, uh, yeah, you and, were there. You and I yes, were there when he I, said it. We laughed and laughed at the idea of a Hawkeye comic. But I trust his taste um, because oh, yeah. Jay, uh, one of the nice things I'm going to say about Jason Brightman is he has, there are, I, I well, to backtrack, I know some people who follow comics because they like specific artists, and I know some people who follow comics because they like specific writers, and I will admit I have a writer bias. But Jason is one of the most holistic comic fans that I know. And not only can he look at something and see the interplay between writer and artist, he's also able to place it within the context of the industry and within the context of the history of comics. And so when Jason says, you have to see this because this is fantastic, it's, it's, it would be like somebody walking out of a Star Wars viewing in 1978 and saying, oh, this is going to be big. So um, <laughs> yeah. So so when Jason said, go read this, I, I promptly went on to Amazon and bought it. And I was hooked actually in issue two. And it's the, I'll tell you what hooked me, um, and it's in the trade, are um, the second and third page where you start off in the upper left hand corner with the Daily Bugle panel with the headline, Everything, Everything awful. awful. Oh, God, somebody do something. <laughs> it's my favorite comic book panel ever, I think. <laughs> but what really got me is when you, um, again, on the next page, when you see Clint go to shoot an arrow, and as Kate says, Well, that's cool. You watch him break down the process of shooting the arrow and having it land, and you watch her mouth make all of the different sounds as you go through the process, and you see the time dilation, and it's just such a smart visual storytelling mechanism, and it says so much about the two of them in, in just a page and a half, and I thought, oh my god, this this is not one you can read once. You're going to have to keep reading it over and over again to pick up all of the things, because it's just so well thought out, just from the the composition of the panels on out. Yeah, time slows down oh. as you watch him get ready to shoot his arrow and there and you see her 14 panels yeah. of her slowly saying a couple of well, words while he shoots. Cool. Amazing. Yeah. Also, as someone who can't draw, I was impressed about how much like you can see the lip movements and everything, yes. all the sounds. Like I was like that that person did some work on that. Mhm. Yeah. No, and I and I love the restricted palette that they use for the whole comic. Um Oh yeah, the coloring, the coloring choices are fantastic. It's just there's no detail on this that that somebody clearly. I get the feeling they beat every issue into the ground, and I'm sure it drives them crazy. And God bless them for doing it because the the final product is just superb. 
So I, I want to come back to the coloring. Matt Hollingsworth, the colorist, is credited on the covers. He is an integral part of this comic um, and does a, a, a spectacular job. But but uh, before we get there, uh, let me move on and ask Merlin. Uh, so uh, you know, how did you hear about this and, and uh, w- what drew you to it? Um, I don't remember exactly, but it was in the midst of my uh, recent plunge into comics kind of taking off. Like when I very first was getting way into comics, you know, for the first time really since I was a kid. And I was taking advice from everybody all around me and I kept hearing this din of like Hawkeye, 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 Hawkeye. And I think I was – I was uh, I had a post about this on Kung Fu Grip, but I had this uh, long call with Rob Corger who I had no idea is a giant um, comic nerd. And he gave me this huge list of like people I should check out, writers I should check out. And one of them was Matt Fraction. And I think it was around that time. It was probably around I want to say like issue three – and so I jumped in, and you know, uh, first of all, all of the covers, all of David Aha's, David Aha's covers, uh, I think are, are just terrific, and they're not the same look as the, uh, you know, as, as the art inside, but they're, they're, they immediately grab you, and like you say, the, the the coloring is great, but it's really weird. Like I, uh, I liked it, but but I felt really challenged by it because I've come at this through reading a lot of X Men and stuff like that, and like let me explain this fourteen times, and, and in this case, <laughs> I feel like I, f- I feel like such a dope. It's like Godfather two. I feel like I could read that first issue. Um, I mean, it's like so many of them. Like, gosh, I'm sure we'll get into some some of the amazing storytelling and out of sequence and stuff like that. But you, you it takes several readings to really yeah. appreciate how good that first issue is, where they do the equivalent no of jump jump cuts. Of you know, you see you see Clint, and then you see something's going to happen. It's the same face with a different background, and you know that you know it's being told out of sequence. But I mean. Uh, you know, I, I guess I'm, I maybe will eventually become famous for crying when I read comics. But when mm-hmm. I got to that last page, that was it. I mean, I was I was hooked. Um, and uh, it's I don't know. I, I don't want to be too effusive, but I think it's a very good comic. And and uh, yeah, especially around six. Uh, I, I I I love every issue, but around issue six, it kind of goes to a different level as far as I'm concerned. Um, but that first issue is so humane. I mean, mostly what I know about Hawkeye, Hawkeye is what everybody else knows. He's like one of those annoying, unpowered guys with, as he says, a Paleolithic, you know, weapon. But yeah, that was it for me, and I've, I now it's it's my favorite comic. Yeah, well, Tony, what about you? Uh, I think I was uh, referred to Hawkeye um, by my buddy Jeremy Goldstein, who is basically my comics filter. Um, Jeremy reads pretty much everything. And he, you know, tells me two or three things a year that, like, I have to go read. And I usually uh, am waiting for the trades of those to come out. And so um, I think his two for this year were, were Saga and Hawkeye. That worked out pretty good. He's got a good batting average. Um, and then, you know, I think I then go and make Dan read the, the really good stuff, right? Um, so, and, you know, I think it's a great comic. I, I really got into it for, from the uh, the first issue. I, I love how dense it is. Uh, in rereading it, I had kind of forgotten that it's just 11 issues because there's there's so many little so stories much. in there. Yeah, and you know, and usually comics like they'll take a long time to tell a story, and they have something that plays out issue after issue, and you know, they do the thing where there's kind of the cliffhanger to get you to buy the next issue, and there's so many little stories in, in Hawkeye. I, I completely not conceptualized it in my head as eleven comic books, right? It's it's because there's so many stories in there. Yeah, and and it starts with standalone stories, which is also a rarity sure. these days, and especially mm-hmm. in, in in mainstream comics like Marvel comics. Dan, did uh, and you, t- Tony told you to read it, right, Dan? Well, I mean, Tony was one source. I usually have like multiple <laughs> sources, so I, I would say I mainly learned about it from this little place called the Internet. Oh, which you may have heard. the Internet. Uh, no, it was one of those things where it's it's a critical mass thing. It's you like just Tony like mentioned type in it. What should I read? And it's yeah, said, what, what well, kind Hawkeye. of comic book should I read? And the Internet is like Hawkeye. Um, but 
you know, I think it's one of those things where it's a critical mass and it builds and like someone tells you to read Hawkeye and then you're like reading something else somewhere else. That for me, that's always the real test is if I hear about it from one source and then I read about it from like someone who is in no way connected to the first source and also says like, hey, this is really good. And I'm like, yeah, I trust both of those people's opinions on things. So this is clearly the intersection of, of what is really good. And Tony is my, my I think of him more as my Jeremy filter because I... Uh, <laughs> Jer- Jeremy has a lot of comic books. <laughs> it's like drugs in reverse. Dan's only getting the pure stuff, you know. It hasn't been stepped on. So. Um, and it's, but yeah, you know, it's are, a give and take. Dan yeah, tells me about that. the, uh, you know, he tells me to watch Supernatural over and over again. So, <laughs> yeah, it's true. One day he'll listen. No, um, yeah. So I and 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 like Tony, I you know I I really enjoyed so much the the first issue. You know, I I was probably hooked from okay, this looks bad. I yeah. mean, yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, that's all I really needed. It's been a long time since I've read a comic. Uh, and my my wife doesn't read comics. And she never kind of got into it, never learned it. I cannot remember the last time I had a comic that I enjoyed so much that I said, I'm going to read some of this to you out loud because it's really funny. I, I can't. I can't. And, and Hawkeye... And it's happened more than once where I'm like, oh my god, you should you should listen to this. This is hilarious. And she's very kind and and nods and laughs <laughs> appreciatively and makes you know it's it's that's nice, dear. But I, I had a similar I had a similar experience with it. Look, it's it's getting Iron Man to fix his TV yeah, setup. Exactly. <laughs> you can't put it together. Sp- yeah. Spider Man is making fun of Wolverine for being old. That's they're in like two panels and yet no spoilers, no spoilers. No, no, you don't no, want dog, dog cops. cops. No, no. Well, <laughs> that's right. Dog, dog cops. Dog cops. Right? Dog cops. It's the greatest show ever. <laughs> don't spoil me on the end of dog cops. I but- really wish they'd do a spinoff comic where just one issue and it's it's a dog cops number one annual, so we can understand <laughs> the greatness. <laughs> I don't, be- can we ever really understand the greatness that is dog, dog cops, cops I mean- without <laughs> seeing without seeing this uh, never seen because Clint gets a, a DVR and. He and yeah, Tony and Stark are trying to wire it in, like the it's best. like they're defusing a bomb. Except it looks it like a bomb. Yeah. They're hooking up, uh, the you know VCR to TV to DVD player to DVR and getting it all connected. And mm-hmm. if only and, if only Doctor Druid were there, because he knew how yeah. to. The, he knew he from AV. He, he knew from AV. From, from A. Yeah, I, ju- I just like love that Hawkeye is, Hawkeye is like the only person in the Marvel Universe who can refer to Natasha Romanoff as his work wife. That just <laughs> kills me. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in in uh, something I, I uh, mentioned about the standalone quality of this, issue one, um, which I yeah I started reading issue one, I thought, oh my God, this is so great that Jason Brightman was right. Um, I wish you could be here to to bask in the glory of, the, of, of us saying thank you for recommending this. Um, it's self-contained. It is told out of sequence, as Merlin said. Um, and, and in fact, one of the things that really blew me away when we talk about the coloring is that's the, your cue uh, for the scene changes. Is that in issue one, the uh, you know the coloring is distinct, but the two different time frames actually have different coloring, and you can tell that you're in a different place. And you know, colorists are underappreciated, I think, in general in comics. But in Hawkeye, I feel like the color. The color is a huge part of what it is. These, it's a limited palette. There's a lot of purple, which is Hawkeye's color, and which you wouldn't think works that in that many scenarios. He's got right? that. He's got that tunic thing he always wears. It's like he's got one of the silliest costumes ever. He's got a silly mask that sometimes can be used to cover his Johnson. Yeah. But uh, but he's got such a silly outfit, and and he's he's just not. I you know I, I bet he's not one of those. Guys, where most people would say that's my favorite Marvel superhero. No, no, and that's what makes this kind of kind of brilliant. 
how awesome is it though that like he's a marksman with anything? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. he can throw That's a shoe thing. at you. A bottle he can cap. Throw a lamp. A lamp. A lamp. A quarter. Yeah. yeah, a lamp. Exactly. So in number one, we meet the tracksuit mafia, who are our running uh, villains. They're the ones bro. who call everybody bro. Bro. They have a vaguely <laughs> Eastern European accent. Mm-hmm. They wear tracksuits. <laughs> they own Hawkeye's building and are trying to get everybody out. So yep. of course Hawkeye in in issue one basically uh, he he they try to they try to kill him they kick they kick their one of their like their dog who saves Clint from being shot and they kick the dog into the street and Clint saves the dog and takes him to the vet fix this dog yeah Great it's scene. also it's also one of the reasons I find it so touching and so well done is my my daughter loves this uh, parody like when you see I think it's on the f- first or second page it's in the first no i guess for like page six it looks like you see clint so basically that starts you got that wonderful panel and the catchphrase this looks bad he's falling out of a window he doesn't have superpowers right and he's in the hospital for six weeks yeah mm-hmm. and we i only mentioned it because the doctor is reading like everything that's wrong with him the, the long list of all his broken parts you know what i mean so shattered shattered mm-hmm. pelvis three broken ribs sprain your neck and you know i love that it's his injuries are so well echoed by the Arrow, dogs. by the yeah. by the by the pizza dog, it's so touching, you know. They're, but they're that's it. So he starts same. out like like <laughs> he starts out a wreck. He's already broken at the beginning. They both the get hit by a car in a way. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, uh, Jason, to your comment about the the color palette, um, that reminded me of the fact that in some ways Hawkeye feels very much like a like a noir, um, and it, I feel like it, it oh, yeah. accomplishes that to a certain extent from the use of a limited color palette, which is obviously you know a big deal in noir movies too. And it's got that very, you know, it plays with that very, not quite monotone, but like it has a very monochromatic sort of bent to it. Yep. And I think that's that's really interesting. It does work really, really well. He, well, and, and Barton, you know, Clint Barton is not, I mean, he he is sort of the that noir protagonist, right? Where he is. Right. He's, he gets he, beat, the, he gets the crap beaten out. Yeah, he's messed up. <laughs> he gets the crap beaten out of him. He kind of, you know, he kind of means well, but he doesn't really make intelligent decisions sometimes and gets himself into a lot of trouble. He doesn't have a genius level IQ. No, and this, and the the tracksuit mafia, I mean, these are guys you don't mess with because there are lots of them. And yet there he is, poke, 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 poke. And he doesn't, yeah, he just doesn't care. And and he gets, I mean, the, the real challenge there is that he brings all the people in his building where he's basically trying to save them. Uh, because they're all being evicted because these guys want to do something, sell this building or, or whatever they want to do with it. And so he's he's helping them, but it, it doesn't necessarily make matters better for the people in the building. Um, also amazing is that in the very beginning of the first issue, there's a the party up on the rooftop where they're where they're grilling and we see all these characters who then we learn more about as the issues progress, where you know, all these characters that you you meet later and then you realize they're all present on the building in the panels in the first issue. You just have including uh, including Mitzi. Mm-hmm. Mitzi's right there on the old lady's lap. Yeah, on the rooftop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the old lady. We gotta we gotta talk about her when we get to uh, pizza's my business because there's a lot there. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our first sponsor. Now I'm sure you've tried Hulu.com before, but I want to talk to you today about. Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus lets you watch thousands of hit shows anytime, anywhere. You can stream it on your TV, 
You got a TiVo, you got a Roku, you got an Apple TV. Um, you can stream it right there on your TV, and you can stream it on the go to your smartphone or tablet. Why, uh, you know, sit around being bored in line or when you're on the bus or on the train when you can watch your favorite shows on Hulu Plus? It's a great way to binge watch or discover shows that you haven't seen before. Uh, I, last week I told you about The Thick of It, which is a great British comedy starring K- Peter Capaldi. And this week I want to tell you about another fantastic British comedy that is a Hulu exclusive. So I've been watching it on Hulu Plus and I think you'll really enjoy it. It's called Spy. It's by Simeon Golden. It stars Darren Boyd. It's about a regular guy who's a British civil servant who applies for a civil servant job and ends up in a crazy spy agency. He can't tell his family that he's in the spy agency, but it's not an action kind of show. It's a comedy. The spy agency is run by uh, a very interesting, wacky figure. Uh, he's got some interesting co-workers there. And then his family dynamic, his son is a, is a hilarious character um, who really sort of has one up on his dad the entire time. His ex-wife and her boyfriend are hilarious characters and he's got to try to keep these lives separate because it's a secret that he's a spy a very funny show there are two seasons of it up on hulu and i highly recommend watching it on hulu plus like i've been doing uh sitting in front of my tv watching these great british shows that i didn't even know existed before i got hulu plus so hulu plus 7.99 a month for all the shows and movies that you can watch 7.99 you can catch up on the current shows that you're watching. If you missed an episode, you can catch up. Also, binge watch an old favorite. You can do that. And there are movies, too. You can do it all on Hulu+. Plus. And right now, you can try Hulu+, Plus for a couple of weeks for free on us. That's right. Go to HuluPlus.com slash Snell. Hey, that's my last name. This is why I love this URL. Or go to our show page, 5x5.tv slash incomparable slash 157, and click on the Hulu Plus link. Now, please make sure you use the magic URL, my favorite URL on the internet, huluplus.com slash Snell. You'll get an extended free trial, so they'll know we sent you. That's good for us. You get the extended trial. It's a special deal, so it's good for you. Everybody loves it, and that's why you should go to huluplus.com slash Snell. And thank you to Hulu Plus for sponsoring The Incomparable. Okay, so let's talk about Hawkeye some more. Merlin? Well, Clint, I mean, he's, he's you know, one of the... I listened to uh, an interview today with uh, the two of them, uh, Fraction and AHA, and so many great quotes from that. And uh, one of the things uh, Matt says was, you know, he's never had anybody point out how often one of his characters gets beat up. He's like, and I wrote the X-Men, you know, <laughs> like he's always got, ba- he's covered with bandages. He's always beat up, but it's, it, and it's a nice echo of his relationships with people. Like he's always putting himself like in these self-destructive situations and he's, Part part of the theme that continues to emerge is how much he's like has these horrible relationships that he's constantly screwing up. Oh yeah, you know, and he's just kind of this weird like doofus, <laughs> just kind of wandering through life. And yet, people really like him, as evidenced by uh, issues, you know, number nine through eleven. Mm-hmm. So uh, issue two continues the standalone storyline where we 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 uh, once <laughs> it's terrible. Oh God, somebody do something. Once Tom, somebody do something. What? <laughs> We well we start and we start out with okay this looks bad again in this case mm-hmm. diving into a into a swimming pool and there's gunfire and then we rewind and uh, and we meet and and this confused me a little bit not knowing any sort of backstory here we meet Kate Bishop who is the other Hawkeye she's like she's like replacement Hawkeye except he is is Hawkeye. I know he was not Hawkeye and dressed up like a ninja for a while and was dead for a mm-hmm. while and all that, but be that as it may, and the comic is sort of like whatever, uh, you know, it was a ninja for he don't was a ninja for a while. Don't worry about it. Uh, but there are two Hawkeyes, so there's like him and and she's not quite his apprentice. Um, at one point, she says, you know, uh, 
I don't hang around with him. He hangs around with me, which is a really great line. Bitch. Uh, but, but we, yeah, well, but we meet. Remember when she she extends her hand with the fist, like she's mm-hmm. punching him in the face. She, he calls her his ward, and then says, "I don't think I know what that word." No, means. no, <laughs> no. And she calls him boss. But I mean, they, they have this interesting mm-hmm. relationship where they're both. Hawkeyes, and they're both. Yeah. They both can can shoot. Yeah, it's their not like it's not like Lady Hawkeye. No, or she's not. Yeah, like that young Hawkeye, late, kid Hawkeye. Okay, Hawkeye, after you, Hawkeye. <laughs> well, that's why the the inclusion of the Young Avengers issue at the end of the first <laughs> trade is yeah. just so awful. It's 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 yeah. It's like eating a Snickers after a really good meal, where you're like, okay, if I had had nothing else to eat all day, the Snickers would be fine because it would keep me alive and it doesn't taste terrible. But I've just had a really great meal, so why are you giving me a fun size Snickers? But it, but it's actually written by Matt Fraction, right? It's written by Matt Fraction, but then they ran it through like the idiot filter or something. Well, it's and... weird because you see it, you see parts of his writing poke through. Yeah, and then yeah. and then it's it's it is extra jarring because I agree the art is so it's so typically comic booky to me like it's the kind of stuff I grew up reading in the nineties. So we're talking about the art, and, and this is one of the interesting things about this is unlike something like Saga where Fiona Staples has done all the art, um, Hawkeye has uh, Aha as as the primary artist, but we've got uh, several other issues with other uh, other artists. There's um. Oh, who does the two-part uh, tape? That's uh, Javier Polito, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. then there's the then there's the the hurricane issue that's got a different artist, and there's Frank Avia oh. in number ten and number twelve too, which we're not talking about. But so <laughs> so and Polito also did the annual, which we're not talking about. But yeah, I haven't so, read those. Yet. So we've got these different uh, we've got the different artists, and what's interesting about it is it's still Hawkeye. And I I found that kind of fascinating. It's like there is a there is a model for what this comic is, and so even when it's a different artist, they're trying to make it be of a kind. So the coloring, obviously, the colorist is the same. The yeah. the the panel layouts, yeah, these grids of lots of little panels that that happen in Hawkeye, those continue. And I I like that. Sometimes when artists change, it's really jarring. Like. Um, you know, like I, it's not even the same comic anymore. And this, I could tell. Obviously, the faces are different. I, I could tell the art was by a different person, but it still felt like Hawkeye. That that they wanted it yeah. to have that same pacing and the same coloring, and you know, and obviously the writing and the tone of that is exactly the same. The Hurricane Sandy, uh, Superstorm Sandy one, is a perfect example. And there's a wonderful composition where um. Kate's swimming underwater through the parking garage. And then, oh, yeah. And then... And the, the, In New the, Jersey. Yeah, and the way the shot is composed when she climbs out of the... Up the stairs and out of the water is just phenomenal. And it's perfectly minimalist. And you can tell it's a different artist, but it's it, it captures the ethos of the entire series, which is that you may be doing something super heroic, but chances are high that you're uncomfortable and angry while you're doing it and it's in really stupid circumstances and you know 50% of the time it's not going to work out it's just yeah you know th- that one was jarring for me cuz i was so used to well first of all i think you have to give credit for the fact that clearly i mean again in this podcast i heard him uh aha talking about this i mean there's floor plans for everything everything is you know the the tone is very much the same the building always looks I mean, you can still – it has all the same layout. The building always looks the same. They're not, it isn't like the Batcave where it could look really different with two different artists. But I like the way in that issue they also – you know, this is a little bit reductive. But you've got New York and you've got New Jersey, and that's kind of the two yeah. artists mm-hmm. in some ways. 
It's a mm-hmm. it's a really nice break. And yeah. I, I, I actually some of the panels where Kate's all dressed up, mm-hmm. you know, and when she's pointing to have him get out of the uh, that's such a classic panel when she's yeah. making that angry kind of Charlie Brown face and forcing him to get out. Yes. <laughs> that's, yeah. The, that one stuck with me too. It's very you. You can kind of picture that almost kinetically, like in action, right? Oh, that's so good. Oh no, it's weird. I didn't. I'm. I'm. I'm a total idiot and didn't even realize that they were. Like I. I. I registered the different art styles, but I was just so wrapped up in the story that it didn't even like the practicality of like, oh, clearly a different person drawing this just did not yeah. even permeate my brain. Yeah, two artists, and, and there's the care in how the artists are deployed. That in the in the Superstorm Sandy issue, which is very much written topically and inserted in the run because it happened and they wanted to write a story about it and then mm-hmm. sort of the continuing story then continues the next issue mm-hmm. um and and you get this on yet another self-contained story in a single issue which is great but it's the two artists for the two different locales and similarly we've seen um in issue 10 which is essentially it's it's kate but it's it's really told from the perspective of the assassin um there's a different artist for that uh, in the issue where there are the uh, the uh, the the covers, the the comic book covers oh, from various other so comics. Oh, great! Yeah, those were excellent. <laughs> they have they have a different artist draw those covers. Uh, Annie Wu, who who, and now what they're going to be doing in in what will be the third trade eventually is there's a storyline that's going to alternate between Clint and Kate, and Aha is going to do Clint's story, and Annie Wu is going to do, I believe. Kate's story so they're they're trying to have it be that the artists are essentially stand-ins for the for the viewpoint character which is cool that's a cool smart so smart uh, as a way to deal with the fact that that David Aha just he he can't do a full comic issue one a month he just he he can't do it so so they're they're finding some other ways to to do that within the storytelling bounds which is is uh is very cool can I ask a one logistical question that uh, so much of this is told out of sequence, and even in the trade, in the second trade, in little hits, mm-hmm. uh, you probably noticed the there. Uh, you know, it goes seven. <laughs> I literally just didn't notice that until right in, like two <laughs> seconds ago when I was well, looking, like, wait a second. I, I bet that's because <laughs> they wanted to pop in and they jumped into the continuity to do the Sandy thing. I right. think, yeah. Otherwise, it, yeah. it would have broken six, up the eight, story. Nine. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's that's what happens is that six and eight really kind of flow together, but they inserted the Superstorm Sandy issue. So I'm I'm real stupid, but when so in, in issue one, Clint has that giant duffel bag of money to buy the building from yeah. the uh, the tracksuit Draculas. Is that the money that he gets in issue two from Robin the Robbers? It suggested at some point that he doesn't he like get a lot of money from his brother he yeah says, it might be from, from his, it might be from his brother he also mentions okay. that he has no living expenses and there's a throw throwaway line where he says he doesn't eat and i'm not unless he's at the avengers or on the roof yeah, yeah. he just drinks coffee from the pot <laughs> yes yeah. he does much. yeah so so basically this is a guy and who pizza mm-hmm. crappy crappy pizza that he buys on the streets of new york and feeds to dogs occasionally <laughs> if he doesn't like them such a such a what well, around a character yeah you're right well it, it, that's a, that is the constant question in Hawkeye is um, there are there's a lot of mixed up time sequences. Merlin, I know I saw your I saw your uh, your note <laughs> earlier today of your of your outline document for Six Nights in the Life of Hawkeye, which it's six nights right before Christmas in the life of Hawkeye. Uh, this is uh, issue six, uh, but they are not <laughs> in any way consecutive. <laughs> yeah, right. that one always I end up flipping back and forth, and I was rereading it tonight and again trying to like. 
okay, let me <laughs> sort of like figure out, right. trace how this exactly. And they're dated. I've read it maybe six times. And finally this afternoon, I jumped into Omni Outliner because I was like, I'm going to figure this thing out. <laughs> and it actually is when you really, it, it's, I'll send it to you. It's very, it's a lot richer this way. You realize it tells this little story about him deciding whether he's going to, you know, uh, stay or go. And I have to say that, I mean, I love them all. I really do love them all. But, you know, I, I like the tape thing a lot. The tape thing really, the, the two-parter on the, the tape of him appearing to kill the guy, I thought that was really great, especially as a Kate. I thought the Kate stuff in that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But to me, six is where it really lit up. I mean, that, 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 the opening scene where Tony Stark, you know, can't even, Tony Stark wants to buy him all new audio, audiovisual equipment because <laughs> yeah. he's cutting the wires. They're diffusing. They're diffusing a bomb, except it's actually just wiring this thing up. And and Tony Stark's like, "I'll just buy you new. Look, forget it. I'll just buy you new stuff." It's like, well, and Clint, Clint just wants his laser disc. He just wants to watch his laser disc. Yeah, because he finds his laser disc of Blade yeah. Runner. Yeah. Hey. Well, and the out of sequence stuff where he's trying to keep the you know the tracksuit mafia from you know killing people. Everybody in know, the building, right? Everybody in the building, and then the weaved in with the subplot where Simone and her kids they can't watch the Christmas special because he accidentally shot an arrow into the satellite dish, right? Yeah. Which we don't, <laughs> which we kind of learn in. Reverse. And then later we find out why the arrow ends up there is because he's firing at the tracksuit mafia, but he gets punched as he's firing that arrow and it goes in their satellite dish instead. But that's clever and it works better, you know, in some ways there than in linear order. It, it gets to what you said from the beginning, though, Jason, which is that these really do stand alone on their own. If you can, you know, it's like reading Shakespeare. You can't read it too fast or too slow. Like, if, if you go through this at the right speed and just look over the parts you don't understand right away, you'll get through each one of these, and it's a, it's still a complete delight. But in retrospect, I mean, would you – I mean, not to jump too far ahead, but you look at that scene of everybody on the roof in issue one where Grills is out there. Yep. And – Every I, I, I swear to God, I read these things over and over, and I didn't catch this. There's so many. There's so much like what's well, not not parody. What's the word I'm looking for? But echoes. So you see all those characters, and then f- foreshadowing. Sure, and didn't jump to eleven. And when Pizza Dog is detecting who everybody is, and it's all people that were on yep. the roof in issue one. Yes, absolutely. You know, we're getting little tastes of them, like talking talking to the girl who's the bike messenger. You know, with the, with the pink hair, and and my my absolute favorite is. Again, in that, in the, I think it's six, where, where Clint finally decides it's past midnight, it's the next day, and he goes outside with the bow and arrow and stands in front of the building, right? Because now he's going to protect yeah. the building from the bad guys. It's such a beautiful image that I would love to have as a poster. And then flip to 11, and there's the same thing, but it's Pizza Dog standing in exactly the same place in front of exactly the same building, but with no color because he's colorblind, and he's smelling everything and hearing everything instead. It's, oh. that takes that, That's a lot of work, yeah. and it's not... They're not, they're not like stepping on the accelerator to go, oh, look how clever we are. But they have all these little threads that get picked up. It's, again, oh, here we go. Take a drink. It's kind of like The Wire, where you go, oh, <laughs> I never realized that would become a you thing. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned that, because one of the things I've, I was thinking as I went back and reread this is I thought that stylistically this reminds me a lot of Mad Men with the lushness and attention to detail oh. and the way it embraces mid-century modern aesthetic, especially with the lines in which everyone is drawn. And then I thought... But the plotting and the rich background are more like The Wire. So it's kind of Mad Men times The Wire divided by Marvel equals this comic. Don't forget the the noir stuff, too. So you got to throw in, like, the big sleep in there. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. No, <laughs> Let's just throw in a little bit of everything. No, I, this, what I'm this saying math is, looks your, bad. Is, is, your, is, is that The Wire? You're absolutely right, though, because it's just it's very textured. And I get the feeling that Fraction probably has, like, an entire wall of his office just devoted 
to, to putting up post-its and drawing <laughs> strings between things. Sure. To, Newspaper to, scraps and yarn. He's <laughs> either tracking a serial killer or mapping out Hawkeye. It's unclear which one. Well, you know, if he could do like three-dimensional holographic, he could do like three-dimensional holographic modeling, I get the feeling he'd probably do that too. But uh, it's... I, I, I will eat my hat if I find out that he hasn't already thought this thing through all the way to issue 24 and beyond. Yeah. Because it's just, it, there, there's, it, it's insanely layered. What about Hawkeye's redheaded lady friend? We meet her, mm. we meet her in issue three, and then she mm-hmm. returns to make more trouble. Uh, she is the wife of, of one of the bros of the tra- <laughs> tracksuit mafia. Of course. She it's is. okay. Can get new wife. Yes. <laughs> so interest, interesting. We get the femme fatale, Dan, for your uh, your your noir. Yes. She's got a Dodge Challenger. Mm-hmm. Nice car. He says, "Hey, I always wanted a car like that." And then, of course, they end up ramming it in in Kate's little uh, little Volkswagen, little putter, puttery Volkswagen. <laughs> well, I love it. little details. Things that I love is that in in the that before that, her Beetle is like a classic vintage Beetle, and after that, it's one of the brand new ones. Like uh, yeah. very subtle, but they like like one of the later issues when they show it. It's the and I mean like the last year's model with like the sort of roadster looking thing, which I just thought was I didn't catch that the first time around. I just like that they have. I mean, there's no modern cars there, right? It's, he's got the, the Dodge, uh, the Challenger. Kate has the old timey Beetle, and then the ridiculous tracksuit mafia and their minis chasing them. <laughs> yes, which are, oh the minis numbered. numbered because yeah, but look at the do. way that they look at the way the women are dressed too. There's a lot of vintage sure. fashion going on because when you see the triptych mm-hmm. of uh, Natasha, Bobby, and Jessica, mm-hmm. oh yeah, sure. I mean that's that's completely that's that's clearly meant to um, evoke Austin Powers slash James Bond slash yes. go go dancing slash laugh in. Yeah, you you kind of picture Jessica Drew as like Megan Draper a little bit. Yes, no, mind. especially she's yes, drawn exactly. very much she's like drawn her. very much like Jessica Pere. It's amazing. Yeah, definitely not drawn like uh, how I view these characters in the Marvel universe. They're yeah, they're well, something completely different here. Well, it's really smart that what they do with Black Widow too, because they've completely avoided making her look like Scarlett Johansson in any right. way, shape, or form. Well, and and it's and, and like they're they're. They're beautiful. They look really oh, yeah. beautiful, but they're not freakish. I mean, I'm a huge Spider Woman fan. I really mm-hmm. like Spider Woman, but sometimes I'm not, I'm not to go into a whole thing. But I guess she must be kind of a buxom lady. But the way they draw her is sometimes like you know Emma Frost. You kind of expect that, but but with you know with Jessica, it gets a little over the top. And the reason I mentioned Spider Woman is you know Matt's wife Kelly uh, Kelly Sue mm-hmm. uh, DeConnick yeah. does the wonderful Captain Marvel, and it's so funny. Two of my favorite relationships in the Marvel universe are well, I mean. You know, Carol and uh, and you know Spider Woman uh, have such a great relationship, and I, I love the relationship that, or the non relationship, the the failed relationship that she has with Clint. I think it's kind of great. I love the way those universes go together without needing a big, you know, Thanos crossover or something like that. <laughs> I like that the uh, in the in the um, in the in the noir thing too. Not only do we so Clint meets uh, meets the lady with a car, and it turns out that she's she's got some trouble. My bad, Penny. And they end up in they end up in bed together and all that. But then she comes back, and it turns out that it's even she needs his help again, and it's even she's even more trouble. And she gets him, and he you know he's committing crimes, and it's and it, and he anchors all of the the underworld bosses because of a girl. And you, you know, other than okay, it looks it looks bad. He, you, he could easily have said well it all happened because of a girl because that is that is exactly what happens and it's just it's uh i i I really like those i really like those issues and i like the fact that there's a follow-up issue that's the um that's the complete opposite begins exactly the same way 
and then traces the story through the three women that we ran into in the previous issue. That's another case where the story is now not self-contained and doubling back on itself in one issue, but instead you've got these parallel issues that are, that are uh, building on each other. So it's another way I, I, I feel like sometimes the way we describe this, we're saying, look at this puzzle box of intricacy. It's not really something you can appreciate so much as appreciate the workmanship, but you can't enjoy it. And it's it's not true. This is an incredibly fun, enjoyable thing to read. It's just that as you're reading it, you're thinking, whoa, wait a second. That's just like that thing that happened earlier. And you realize that it's great on the surface, but then underneath it, there is this huge structure that's being built up that... uh, Unlike that guy, I posted a link on Twitter a while ago about the guy who says, ah, if I can't read it and understand it the first time, it's not worth it. (laughs) It's like, all right, well, I can appreciate Hawkeye the first time, but if you read it again, suddenly it's that much more interesting. And some comics you can do that, and that's why I love comics, and some comics you can't. Well, and you read closer too. I mean, you know, we'll, oh, yeah. we'll talk probably at some point about issue eleven, but like things hidden behind backs of panels, right? Yeah. Is- <laughs> issue eleven, you know, for me was like, all right, I'm going to go very carefully through all these panels and then all mm-hmm. the icons <laughs> related to things, and like think about them and figure out, okay, I understand what is happening there. Um, but we, we, which is amazing with an issue with almost no words that I spent longer on it than I do on most issues that have words. But, like, when you get to the last page of, um, you know, 11, I think, it, it is great that they stopped at 11. 12 is fantastic. I, and 12 and the annual are both really good. But 11 is a perfect place to stop yep. in a lot of ways. But, you know, again, I've read these a bunch of times. But I just – I, I think that – is it – what are the two that we're just talking about? It's seven and eight? Or, or eight and nine, I guess? Eight and nine are the ones with Penny or a.k.a. Cherry. Yeah, eight and um, nine. And but but like you get to the, you're on the penultimate page and there's that wonderful scene. Mitzi's chewing on a bone. Grills is grilling, right? And and of course, um, Clint is up there having a beer and talking to Grills. And Grills is giving him advice. And if you just look at that penultimate page, you're like, this is really great. It's so warm. He's had this relationship with Grills. He's finally learned his name. And then you flip the page. Uh, well, he's finally learned his name. Don't flip the page. Don't and flip they've the also page. and they've also had the, that that who's on first moment of like. Hawkeye. Hawk, oh, no, God. No, no, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. No, no, Hawkeye. I, 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 I yeah. you, 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 you Hawkeye. Yeah. Like, like in MASH. <laughs> yes. What's the, what, I'm wearing my was? shirt. I got my Hawkeye, Hawkeye shirt. But that, that, one, that one thing right there, you, you would just look at that penultimate Aww. page and go, wow, that's really well done, and flip over. We love go, oh, grills. no, the cl- there's the clown. Oh, and he killed that. grills. No. But then that's the basis for that's the basis for eleven. Yep. You don't know that yet, so you read ten, which I think I love the different style. I think it's great. And you get mm-hmm. to the end of ten, and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Would you ever guess that the end of ten is what's happening at the same time as what's happening in, on the roof? No, in number right. nine. And then you see the clown walk by the window. It's totally bananas. So here's the thing: the, the uh, this uh, somebody on Twitter who said. Uh, I think that it, I think the second set wasn't as strong as the first set. I I I'm going to disagree with what? that. Yeah, I, I, I know I, I know. Disagree with that. But here's the thing: as I was reading six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I was thinking, "Huh, it's not what I what I had before, right? It's not mm-hmm. uh, what I liked about it when it started. Was issue one, two, and three were standalones." Issue four and five and they're not was as a, funny. They're not a, as like funny. Was a two parter. They weren't. They aren't as funny. The dialogue isn't as wacky. But looking back on it now and seeing that if you take the hurricane issue out, six, eight, nine, ten, eleven are essentially like overlaid with one another, telling right. one story. Because of course, the end of nine is led up to, and it's also the end of ten, and it also happens to be covered by issue eleven. Then. 
I find it incredibly satisfying to look at that as a set of issues and realize that it's telling this one story in all of these different ways. But when you're in the middle of it, I can sort of see it's like, wow, this is different and I'm not quite sure what's going on. And now there's a cliffhanger, you know, and back it used to be self-contained. And now it's cliffhanger. What's going mm-hmm. on? But I can't, you know, having read that whole sequence now, I can't, I can't say that because now I see what it was building to and it makes me appreciate it all the more, really. Our second sponsor is also a returning sponsor, and we are happy to have them back again. It's HostGator. Hostgator HostGator.com is a premier web hosting and domain name provider. If you're looking to start a website, HostGator can help you get started with monthly hosting plans, one-click installs, and tons of other features that make getting your site up and running easy. If you're a more advanced user or a business, HostGator can take care of you with reseller plans. They've got VPS and dedicated servers. HostGator guarantees 99.9% uptime. That is great. That's a big number. Uh, That's a lot of uptime, and that's what you want. No matter your size, or your needs, 99% uptime. If you're a WordPress user, you're going to love the one-click installs. You don't have to install it yourself. One-click, boom, it's done. And optimized hosting platform. When you host with HostGator, you get unlimited disk space and bandwidth. That's huge. They have free site builder tools that are super easy to use. But if you find yourself needing any help, they also have 24-7 support to ensure that everything stays running smoothly. So head on over to HostGator.com. That's G-A-T-O-R, like an alligator, HostGator.com to learn more. And when you decide to purchase, even though I am not somebody named Dan, I know a lot of people named Dan. There's Dan Morin, there's Dan Benjamin, there's many other Dans. I am not a Dan, sadly. But there's a coupon code that you should use that is Dan-oriented, and it is Dan sent me. One word, Dan sent me, and get 30% off of everything. So use that coupon code, Dan sent me, at HostGator.com. And thank you very much to HostGator for sponsoring The Incomparable. All right, should we talk about Pizza Dog? Yeah, pizza dog. Mm. So the dog is introduced to number one. So you inst- keep, keep an eye on things. You instantly love him. He he. Hawkeye finds him and feeds him his crappy pizza. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want it anyway. His crappy pizza. And the the the, the bros in the tracksuit mafia uh, get distracted by him because they're trying to kill Hawkeye and they kick him in the street. And Hawkeye saves his saves his life. It's not my dog. Takes him home. We find out that his name is Arrow. In the very last page of the, yeah. of the first issue, and he says, "I'll, I'll give you a better Her name." name. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky, uh, all AKA Pizza Dog. So in issue eleven, um, it is. I would actually say it's I, the best. I don't know. It is. It is one of the most remarkable, if not the most remarkable, comic book issue I've ever read. It's told entirely from the perspective of the dog. There are very few words that are understandable in it because dogs don't understand a whole lot of words. It's got this entire set of symbols, as Dan was saying earlier, that indicate facts that are known by the dog based on smells or faces about everybody in the building. and The the chain of associations that he makes to get from this smell to that person. In his senses Mm -hmm. and the way that Mm -hmm. he senses things. And the way the colors are handled, where you know the dog senses are not like human senses. It's got the Saul Bass style "Pizza is my business" overhead shot, which I have on a T-shirt. Um, yeah, <laughs> and and it's got and it's yet its own. It's it's also its own little mini noir where there's a femme fatale and and Pizza Dog <laughs> has his own set of adventures, and it, it's it's amazing. And I, I remember reading this very clearly on an airplane. And turning to to my wife, who was sitting across the aisle, and saying, "Oh my God, look at this!" Again, she humored me and was like, "Oh, huh, dog, all right." Mm-hmm. But it's like you, it's but it's crazy. It's amazing. 
absolutely amazing. Well, the thing that got me when I was rereading it this time, and you just mentioned there, are, you know, there's not a lot of words because dogs don't understand a lot of words. Was how many of the words were like these are words dogs would know? Yes. And the the one that got me was the one where Kate's fixing his tie and says collar stays. Collar. I'm like collar stays. stays. Yes, those are both those are both words that oh, dogs would know. So dogs would not understand what a collar stay is, but like yeah, okay. Apparently, Fraction also talked to a uh, uh, somebody he knew who was Polish and tried to get what what uh, somebody who speaks Polish would say. As commands to dogs, yes, so that they could, so that they could have it when he hears the tracksuit guy is talking, he understands those words because they were the words that they used to say to him when he was their dog. Interesting. Idioto. I enjoy. Idioto, how, I enjoy how bro, ex-wife is bro, one of the bro, words bro. that he bro, bro, bro. Uses. Yeah, also Hawkeye. It's, it's, some of it doesn't entirely work, but you know, but ex-wife. Most of it oh my god. Yeah. Stop so, eating but, garbage. But, Again, this is just for people who are just kind of getting started with this that might miss it. So if you go and look at that amazing first page, you see darkness, which I, I always take to mean that maybe he's sleeping, that Lucky's mm-hmm. sleeping. And then you see a big H, and then what, what, what? It's now, him you guys processing know this the sound, I think. Well, yeah, we'll flip back in your trade four pages, and that's the exact conversation. same conversation, yeah. That he was having with Kate, you know? And so I, what I, I missed that. I totally missed that the first time I read it. And I also thought, why are they getting why are they getting all dressed up? Are they going to a wedding? Like, what's the problem? No, where are they going? Grills. They're going to Grills' funeral. They're going to Grills' yeah. funeral. It's yeah. Again, points points of view though, because I mean, you think, oh, there's a dog eating a bone. You see that twice. You're like, what's the big <laughs> deal? But that's that's his uh, that's his femme fatale, Mitzi. Oh yeah, Mitzi, you capricious bitch. <laughs> so here's here's the thing that that is the the mind blowing thing is he finds he finds the clown and the bros up on the roof mm-hmm. where they've returned to the scene of the crime um and he attacks them because he knows the smell of the of the clown of the killer yes and they fire at the dog and and the dog pushes them off the edge of the building and then there's black and what we see is the old lady and the clown and one of the bros and the dog are all in her apartment and she's serving them tea um, and there's the close-up on her necklace. And her necklace is a gun. gun. Yes. And we realize that this lady is with the tracksuit mafia. I think the first shot you see of, I don't know if his name's actually called Ivan, but Clint calls him Ivan. The first tracksuit mafia guy back in issue one is wearing that necklace. Yeah. Or, you know, his okay. equivalent of that necklace. Totally do not catch that. So, but they don't kill the dog. So, the the oh, dog yeah. is, you know, so the dog is. is lucky, you know, escapes and he runs away when he hears... Uh, what, Clint. Yeah, what, well, what got me that time was actually to speak to that the the thing it, the necklace I sort of paused at, but I, I realized this time looking closely at the panels, like the clown's still wearing the clown makeup, and it's not likely that some old lady's yeah. going to let in a dude wearing clown no. makeup and serving tea. That seems that seemed off. With an to Eastern me. European yeah. accent. And, well, it just yeah, makes it much charters. more creepy now when you switch back to the first trade and you realize she's sitting right in the middle of the rooftop with all the neighbors. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and so. she's the one who kind of. Makes disparaging comments at Clint. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, you know, hmm. like, must be money. Money, must be just nice. money. Yeah. Not, must be. Nice. But I have to yeah. say, I read this the first time, and I'm like, I'm not entirely sure what's going on. And then I read it the second time, and I was like, Oh, oh yeah, oh old lady, you, yeah. you betrayer of. Well, I mean, she's not. She's loyal to the. She, presumably that they put her up in the mm-hmm. apartment in their building. It's perfectly normal that they would do that. Mm-hmm. And but he hears that. Uh, Lucky hears that the the. Uh, somebody's coming to the door and opening the door, and it's another tracksuit guy, and he he bolts out. Well, early on, doesn't Ivan say um, something about it's you know he he's raising the rent, he's tripling the rent to get them out of the building, yep. and Clint's like, "I'll give you the money," 
And I don't there's want the money. I want to sell the yeah. building. About the, so yeah. I'm thinking she's she's the I mean I am restating the obvious, but I think she's she's some kind of ringleader. And there's something else that's going to happen with that building we just haven't seen yet. Yeah. My, yeah. my guess is that, by the way, um, they go over the roof and we don't see what's happened. My guess is that they slam into a fire escape or something because otherwise well, he's okay. they would die. Yes. It, well, you know, and the one tracksuit guy has like his leg is all bandaged up, right? Yeah. But, and the dog. But yeah, he's still the there. Okay. So obviously yeah. they didn't fall to their death because they're not dead. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe they're playing some other crazy trick on us. Right? And there's maybe, more maybe than we Well, no, one of the tracksuit other... guys is dead. I mean, did one of yes. them fall off the roof? Yeah, because his shoes well, we don't down. See, yeah, because we, see we only shoe. see the guy, the bald guy oh, right, right, with the mustache, right. not the guy who was actually his owner. You're right. right. Like, okay. But somehow right. Lucky, maybe, or Lucky was lucky and landed on uh, the, the guy or something. I don't know. Well, and we see his shoe, right? Like, yep. there's a shoe, right, yep. in the next shot. But they, don't, but they don't kill the dog, and the dog escapes. So I, I think there's, it's very mysterious, and I wonder if there's more uh to be clarified there but the, this doesn't this leaves out the uh, la- most important thing which closes the second trade which is uh, Kate and uh and Clint have a conversation that we don't understand because we're just in the perspective of a dog and uh she says goodbye and and that's shocking and she's she's leaving with her stuff and then she calls Lucky and he comes and they both leave and they get in a car and they drive to California <gasps> with a couple stops Why, along Lucky? the way Why? Some stops along the way yeah, why? For Pete's sake, why? For Lucky's sake. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's the dogs sad, don't understand why these people do what they do. Mm-hmm. He'll be back. They killed Captain America and he came back. <laughs> <laughs> that dog will it. get on a plane. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, would, I would read that issue. Well, if you want to know what happens next to Kate, you have to read uh, Hawkeye Annual Number 1, which is Kate's first adventures upon reaching Los Angeles. Ugh, now I have to go to a comic book store and do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Jason. Yeah, Madame Mask comes back, though, who we saw in issues four and five. Yeah, I didn't realize in the first uh, the first time, what's the issue where afterwards, like, they the, the kingpin's like, all right, we got to kill kill. Hawkeye because he's causing us trouble and losing us money and all the they've got like sort of their assortment of uh, you know crime lords or what have you but a lot of them are at the hotel in issue two right when the when the crazy circus folks are robbing everybody robbing all Madame the Mask is yes. in the is in the background there I think which I didn't realize until rereading it mm-hmm. foreshadowing yeah well this this comic definitely has its cast of characters right um, and they keep keep bringing them back. Man and Mask is also funny um, because one of the things that it plays on is is she's uh, her bizarre kind of backstory and lack of understanding of humanity. And this comes back in the annual, but where where she does that thing where she's like, uh, "You're you're a kid, kid smoke. Do you have any cigarettes?" And Kate's like, "What are you talking about?" And and I I assume that that's also a commentary on um, Joe Casada's. Uh, no smoking policy in Marvel Comics, which oh. I don't mind, but it's kind of I think it's kind of I think it's kind of funny, and I think it's, I suspect that is part of the commentary there. But it also it just says something about Madame Mask as this bizarre creature who is like not connected to because she's like this crazy crime lady who walks around in a gold mask all the time, and so I kind of enjoy that she's portrayed as being like completely disconnected from interacting with other humans and i loved her <laughs> i like that she has a backup mask for kate to steal <laughs> you, you never travel with just one mask come no, on you gotta have the backup mask and then she's and a wig yeah and that matches wig. her natural hair <laughs> yeah also in that in that uh 
she tells Kate that she's going to stub out uh, cigarettes in her face and ki- and kill her. And Kate has a look that is, it's um, it's essentially like Zoe Deschanel or something. It's that it's she looks just like her, and she's like, oh, oh but I'm America's sweetheart. You can't you can't kill me. <laughs> I'm Kid Hawkeye. And then yeah, and then of course they show up on the like. The, I, it's weird oh, when look, the when you have the sh- yeah. the shield like shield guys show up just to the like. Hey, you know we don't forget we've got like a helicarrier. Oh god, like, I loved when they abducted him from the roof. That was yeah, nobody seems to nobody really and seems like, to care because because he's all I'm not Hawkeye. Who is this Hawkeye? Well, it's so awkward because they're just like we're just gonna strap this thing to you and just you know like you know. Well, I like when don't they don't mind they, us. The first the first few issues when he tries to like. He sort of tries to deny that he's Hawkeye mm-hmm. and then kind of just gives up on it to all the people in the building, except yeah. for, you know, that conversation with girls about being Hawkeye. Yeah, what um, are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't want to make a big thing of it. He wants to have his apartment. He's not going to live in the mansion. He's going to ha- wants to have his apartment, wants to live his life. I, I like how Marvel heroes are integrated in this because it is a Marvel comic. And I've said before on this podcast that it is kind of amazing that a comic with this, this, uh, the, the way the the story is told, the art, all of these things that it, it you know it proves that you can make an amazing piece of of uh, of art in a, a superhero comic from Marvel Comics with a mainstream Marvel character. It can be done, and the way the Marvel characters get, I mean, the, we've got some villains, but Marvel heroes are very seldom seen, and when they are, it's interesting how they get dropped in. The, the Christmas issue where Wolverine and Spider Man appear very briefly, along with lackeys of of AIM, who are claiming to be the one the the ninety nine ninety nine percent. No, you're no, not. you're not. Shut up. No. <laughs> um, and Tony Stark's trying to get him to wire up his uh, his DVD player. Uh, and then Maria Hill and Shield and Nick Fury appear in the Madame Mask issue, but it's very limited, and and they're often deployed either as a, a kind of wacky plot contrivance or just for humor value, which I like. I enjoy that they're that they're still there; they're just not important. I love that scene with uh, where Captain America and and Clint and uh, Agent Hill are, are sitting, like. In kind of the interrogation room, but kind of like a card table, and it's like, man, even superheroes have to go to meetings. And, the, and they're not even—they're not even superhero cool meetings. They're just really crappy office meetings. No, and it's like, and the lighting's not even great in here. Why? Uh, why is he know. still wearing the mask? That I couldn't figure out. Like he's in a room with like two people who presumably know. Why who does he, he is. still have those deep cuffs in his boots? They're terrible. It, they're a military yeah. organization. Yeah, they're right. a military it's, it's organization. It's it, Code of uniform conduct. At the yeah. end of the tape, two-parter. <laughs> Uh, again with that kind of noir uh, hapless heroes kind of thing as Kate almost dies and mm-hmm. Clint's all bandaged up. Madame Mask is very angry. And and in the end it turns out, and we haven't known this all along, that this tape that supposedly shows Clint killing somebody, it's a fake and this was all a leak to find a <laughs> mole guffin. inside yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. And there's a tape of Captain America killing people too. Yeah, oh, yeah she's like, yeah, the meeting America. makes no Wolverine. sense, I realize this time. The meeting makes no sense in retrospect, yeah. right? Because it's like we're having this conversation for the audience. I, no, I think know? I honestly think they're having the conversation to try and make sure that the mole was to, to, to because they figure well if the mole sees it then they'll pass on information and so on and so forth. So everybody has to play along. I just don't know where the signal got passed to Barton that this was going to be the uh, charade they were all going through. Yeah, it's really there for Kate to be Off like, screen. what, what, what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I put myself through all this for that. Which yeah. is funny. Again, it's nothing but trouble. And this is what's supposed to be what Hawkeye uh, mm-hmm. is doing when he's not an Avenger. I don't understand why he doesn't just spend a lot of time sleeping on the couch. I think he does. I think that's like the, the stuff that doesn't even make the cut for Hawkeye. <laughs> 
on his purple couch with the dog at one end. This is what Hawkeye does when he is not in his Hawkeye in his comic. Hawkeye. That's yeah. what that's what uh, uh, I think it was Fraction said in this interview I was listening to that he, his original conception was like this is Clint's Thursday, like this is his day off, you know, wh- where where he just does his thing. And so you know, a- as you've noted, Jason, there's a big barrier to get past when telling people, hey, this is a comic about Hawkeye, and anybody who's read comics for a while is going to roll their eyes. But, I, you know, it's, it really is about all of those little details. And, and the other thing is when you talk about levels, I mean, it's, it sounds like such a cliche, but you can really read this however you want. If you want to nerd out with me and do things in on the outliner to understand what's happening here, you can. But really you can – I think you can look at these, especially – not to diminish the other ones, but especially the AHA issues. I mean you really can just look at the art. Yes. And just look Beautiful. at the coloring. Mm-hmm. And, and in the back of the trade, uh, in the second one, yes. you see – yeah, you should talk about the color. That, uh, yeah, the color history. Collinsworth's uh, yeah. beautiful, guy. beautiful. I, you know, and I'm again, I'm, I'm, I'm a word guy. I like reading words. I'm not big on on pictures, but like, I love the art in these books, and that's that's rare for me in a but, comic but, book. Yeah, but it's such a, you know, it's a, you know, again a cliche, but I mean, like the writing and the art work so well together. Like the idea of telling somebody this joke, you know, I'm great at boats. But the expression on Clint's yeah. face when he says, I'm great at boats, is hilarious. Because you know he's not. <laughs> I'm great at boats. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, I'm it's excited by entirely boats. delightful. I, um, I'm just glad that he does all his shopping at Target, I just assume. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is how he saves all the money so he can throw it at the tracksuit mafia. Exactly. I realize books like this take time and, and, and it's... It, but I faster I, yes faster. more more <laughs> I was talking to my I was telling my comic uh, store guy uh, on Wednesday I was telling him that we were doing this show and we were talking about it he's like you know we're both just going on about it and you know he said something that I've been thinking about a lot he says you know this has gotten so much acclaim and it really deserves this acclaim but you gotta wonder like if this weren't a Marvel comic it might get ten times more acclaim because it really doesn't read like a Marvel comic it really is yeah. more like something you'd yep. see see on image yep. in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. Actually, you know what it kind of reminds me of and I'm going way old school here is anyone else familiar with um the Green Arrow run Mike Grell did, The Longbow Hunters? I almost picked it up after re- after watching Arrow because I heard that there was some relationship to it. It could not be more dissimilar in artistic style um at all because there's a lot of pastel work and there's a lot about this that screams 1980s but the whole premise behind the longbow hunters is that oliver and dinah are are out are out of the are out of the business and they want to settle down in seattle and have a normal life and naturally that doesn't happen but a lot of it deals with how superheroes try to live a mundane life and still get the and, and still respond to uh the moral imperatives that drive them and so it's it's kind of a nice uh 30, there's like a 30-year difference between the books because I think The Longbow Hunters was published... Uh, yeah, it's sometime in the late 80s, I think. I yeah, late 80s. Yeah, 88 so well, or something. So, excuse me, 25-year difference. But um, it's it's got a very similar sensibility in the whole, well, this is what they do when they're not off wearing silly costumes and running around and dealing with space aliens and insane organizations and so on and so forth. And presumably they're both about archery. <laughs> The other book I wanted to mention is Immortal Iron Fist, which yep. was by these yes. guys. And it's got a very different tone. And, uh, and and also, actually, that's one of the jokes where... Are you Iron on, Fist? Are you Iron Fist? I love that when the cop asked the cop when they're, when they're arresting him. The cop's yelling at him. He's like, I'm an Avenger. Are you Iron Fist? <laughs> but another another one of those Marvel characters, like, you know, how many people are going to go, oh, yeah, Iron Fist, like, he's my favorite. Right. But he is such a badass. He's so cool. And, and, you know, and when you do think of him, you think of him as <laughs> half of Power Man and Iron Fist. <laughs> right? 
Uh, I the Immortal Iron Fist. So yes, Immortal Iron Fist. Well, there was a. The, did you see the? So I flipped through the first couple of pages of Matt Fraction's Doctor Strange, and there's a scene at the very beginning where. Like a someone comes into like superhero like this is like the clinic where the superheroes go when they get beat up and Iron Fist is like sitting there like reading through a magazine and one of them goes wait aren't you Iron Fist he goes yes and I don't know where Power Man is we're partners not a couple <laughs> well so Immortal Iron Fist I, I recommend it highly really mm-hmm. great run I read all of it actually on the Marvel Unlimited app uh, because I have a subscription to that and the entire run is on there and it's great uh, and i i went back to it after realizing that the people who were making this comic that i really like that is very slowly releasing new issues uh <laughs> did this whole run of immortal iron fist and again i i thought iron fist well i'm reading hawkeye so why not iron fist and it's great actually it's great and there are interesting digressions again where uh <laughs> there are these issues that flash back because the idea is there are the previous iron fists throughout history and that story is interrelated to the story arc that they're telling and you know there's fascinating stuff with the portal that goes from the the floating city of Kun Lun, seven the seven kingdoms seven kingdoms and all of that and then the earth and what's going on and the, the whole plot and it's great it really is a great story so i recommend that too uh for for people and and that run is done so you can read the, that whole story next up fraction takes on cypher what do you yeah, think, Lisa? Why who, not? Who should be who should be next up? Which maybe maybe one of the X Men you don't like? One of the uh... I was gonna say Cyclops because you know <laughs> who likes Cyclops? Who likes Cyclops? Yeah, really, seriously. Anything else to talk about about Hawkeye? It's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. We like it. <laughs> we recommend colors. Oh, the colors. Oh, and we would love you. to show you the colors on this podcast. Unfortunately, purple. that technology has not yet been invented. <laughs> Enjoy such colors as purple. <laughs> and Brown. the other purple. Muted <laughs> green. Red. Only cherry. And others. A variety of pinks. How many comics can you buy that feature all the shades of purple? Get them here. In, in one book. All the shades. It's true. Fifty shades of purple will be the third trade. Oh, oh, no. oh, oh no. no. Volume three. If you didn't like purple before, you will like purple after reading Hawkeye. Because Unless you don't. No guarantees are implied by this endorsement. (laughs) Oh, you know what I didn't mention? I I don't know a lot about the larger comics world, but is anybody else reminded of Chris Ware a little bit? A little bit, I've heard that that come up a lot. Yeah, Yeah, actually. Looking at this, again, this is from uh, the the wonderful Christmas episode. Uh, (laughs) The one where Clint's out front with the the bow and arrow. Just that kind of 50 millimeter looking shot of the the building with all the straight lines. Uh, It reminds me. And the layout. Mm -hmm. This this is, you you could take, I mean, I think Merlin, you said this, the art. You could take pages of this, panels of this, uh, stripped of all the story, stripped of all the dialogue, and it would be um, beautiful. I think with the story, there are several issues that you could say are like textbook. This is how you write a comic, a modern comic. I, I, um, I love like Saga we talked about. And Saga is big and weird and wild and I love it. Um, but it, it also feels very much like it's, uh, almost one of a kind Hawkeye. I look at and I say, this is, this is like textbook. This is like you, 
do more comics like this. This is this is like how you make a modern comic. This is the when, art. The devil's and the, the color. devil's in the details. Yeah. I mean the details oh, yeah. of, of like again in that interview I heard um oh, I was talking about how he starts out every sketch and it's a thousand lines and then he has to figure out how to try to get that down to like four lines. Yeah. It's it's it is very minimal in that sense, but also in the sense of it's very small scale. It's very, you know, macro in some ways. And back to that layers thing, just real quick, the, the idea that, you know, you can look at – this is a lot about relationships. It's it's a lot about his relationship with people. But it starts out with something – and there's <laughs> that great phrase. Everybody's always calling him dummy. He's calling himself dummy. Yeah. Clint, you dummy. You dummy. And But, you know, mm-hmm. Clint, you dummy, you think all you're going to do is go and deal with these guys that you could easily take care of, these the, – you know, the mafia. But then suddenly now he realizes that's making him more – it's making it clearer that there's an Avenger who lives there, which now all the people he's trying to protect, it puts them in danger. Well, he's going to be a hero, and so he buys the building. He's going to be a hero and protect them. And how would we ever imagine that that seemingly modest single issue at the beginning would lead us to where we are now? And I, I mean, I, I personally, I'm, I'm just I'm thrilled to see where it's going to go. I'm glad it's been so successful and got so many awards because just because it'll keep it alive. You know what I mean? Yeah. But just something it's it's a it's a very modest story in some ways. There's no Galactus or anything. Yeah. But but <laughs> it's that will be weird when he eventually shows up in like one panel and there's like this, Oh yeah, Galactus. Now He's this did you want dog cops waving? This nope. looks bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be like he's got a uh, he's driving a dump truck and there's like a big piece of purple um, scrap metal in the back and he's going to be like, yeah, this is like Galact. It fell off Galactus's shoe. That's what it's going to be. Uh, no Galactus. I, I also before we go, I'm not going to spoil issue twelve, but I want to bring up something about issue twelve. One of the things I um I never really thought about Marvel when I was uh, when I was a kid, but now that I'm a uh, a publishing industry professional. Um, every now and then I see something in a Marvel comic that fascinates me because it reminds me that, uh, the comics industry is sometimes just on the, just on the razor's edge of professionalism. (laughs) And I do this because the letter column in issue 12 of Hawkeye, for those who haven't gotten it, um, you'd have to get the single issue in order to get this letter column, literally has two covers from forthcoming issues and a letter column that says, Hey guys, I was too busy to do the letter column. Normally we do a playlist. I was too busy to do the playlist. Um, Here's some DVDs that I bought recently. (laughs) My baseball team is doing well this year. See you next month. I'm not kidding. It's like Stephen Wacker's personal blog. And and I read this and I think why why not just put the covers then why even say anything because it's embarrassingly gotta fill space embarrassingly fill awful space. so Matt Fraction putting in the work to create one of the most amazing comics being published now Marvel editorial kind of wasting time throwing pencils into the ceiling and writing embarrassing letter <laughs> columns so bravo Stephen Wacker that's one of the <laughs> least professional things I've seen in a professionally published thing in a long time censored by Wacker good <laughs> job we could probably top He's that at work paid. sure right <laughs> yeah well I'm glad to hear that he got his uh, criterion um, ni- DVD of night train to Munich for 15 bucks that was good to know <laughs> thanks oh. good to know Marvel keep up the good work all about the macro. Owned, owned by Disney. <laughs> yeah, owned by Disney. Yes, yeah. attention Disney. Don't get that. Don't get that poor dude fired. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> There's a terrific new movie called Planes. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. They could have just written a whole column about that. Write some fake letters. Get an intern. There are people who would die to be a Marvel intern. Get them to do the letter column. That's all die. I'm saying. Don't die. All right, intern. Well, I think we've done enough damage for one uh, episode of The Incomparable. 
but I think we are all in agreement that uh, people should seek out Hawkeye, even if you don't like Hawkeye or the Avengers or I would say or superhero comics because it's really it's it not is a superhero that. comic. It's a sitcom. <laughs> it's a sitcom with arrows in it occasionally. Yeah. A drama. It's an action sitcom, right? I mean, there is there is some action and there are people who so die like and stuff, com. but it's action a comedy. Drama com something with arrows with attraction it's a direction by fraction guys it's good saga's still my go-to recommendation for people especially who you know like like fantasy and in sci-fi and, and and books sure 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 um but but you know one nice thing about hawkeye fractions talked about this um how he tries to write stuff that he feels okay showing his kids and you know yeah. there's some stuff in here that's a little bit you know you know hawkeye having sex with the redhead well, but I mean, I you don't mean, even you see know, that. You, can... you just see Hawkeye's face over his junk. No, they just take a nap together. <laughs> they, they just were both very tired and needed to take a nap. <laughs> Hawkeye's sleepy. Matt Fraction's kids are very mature for their age. <laughs> but you could show this. You could show this to a young person and anybody who is a comic nerd that wants to. I don't know if it's perfect for showing the kids. My daughter and I love reading this. We've I put up a picture. We we buy. So we how do you, bought, how how do you how old is your daughter and how do you handle the uh, the love affairs with with that? Well, I mean, we don't. You go faster. I mean, it's yeah. like anything. You know, mm-hmm. if you're going to show them a PG thirteen movie, you gotta you know kind of yeah. kind of massage it. But no, but I mean, like for example, the pizza dog. Up, we've bought. Well, I've got one uh, salon copy that we don't mess with, and then uh, I've I've bought three beater copies because we read it so much that it just falls apart. Mm. And boy, you know, if I were a writer or an artist, that would be like the greatest compliment in the world to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I sit down with my with my freaking five-year-old kid and she reads me, quote unquote, the pizza dog comic. And, you know, I, I anybody who likes a little a little a little uh, a little story. It's mm-hmm. I don't even want to say it's a puzzle. It's not impossible to figure out. But I would this is it's one reason I keep talking about Saga and Hawkeye is uh, to this day, there are still people who say, oh, you talked about that so much, and I finally got it, and I can't believe this, I have a second life now. Um, I think it's a good one to introduce people or reintroduce people to comics with. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the reintroduce is, is big for me. I think I've recommended Hawkeye to people who have read superhero comics in the past and are interested in it now because it's a nice example of what a superhero comic could be but usually isn't. Right. Saga is something I recommend to you know, people with eyes. I'm not going to give everybody a copy of Watchmen because that's a big investment. In this case, you know, I think you can dive in. And, and again, it's a good asset test for like whatever, 10 or 15 bucks. You're going to find out in that first issue whether or not this is for you. And if you need a chance to check in and find out if this is the kind of thing you still might like, I think you could do a lot worse. Do you like stories? Do you like dogs? Arrows? Do you like tales about an average, an average Joe who's How do you feel about bows and, bows and arrows? Yeah, yeah. You a fan? <laughs> Bros and Arrows. Bros, bros and Arrows. Oh, that's <laughs> oh. got to be the title. That's the They're, title. The title of the podcast right there, Bros Where's and the arrows. bell, Merlin? Where's the bell? <laughs> there. Thank you. That was good. All right. And, uh, and with that, because that can't be topped, uh, I'm going to close up this edition of, uh, of the Comic Book Club. So I would like to thank my guests who, who made this a very special, enjoyable hour talking about this great comic. Uh, two Trades, by the way, out now. Uh, so you should get them on Amazon, get them at your local bookstore, get them at your local comic shop, highly recommended. And then there are now issues that are coming out and there'll be a third trade pretty soon, but you could get the issues if you love the first two trades. So, uh, time to say goodbye, Dan Morin. Thanks for being here. Always a pleasure, Jason. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's nice that when Tony tells you to read comics and you read them, he's my bro. Yeah, bro. Uh, Tony Sindelar, thanks again for for not only being here, but also showing Dan Warren the uh, proper way to read comics. 
I try. Left to right. Every every day I try. (laughs) Yes. Good, good. Lisa Schmeiser, it's always a pleasure to have you on. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and talking, talking comics. Maybe we'll get Jason Brightman back sometime and we can reunite the original comic book club. But he's a very busy guy these days. We need to. Um, yeah. I, I just read the first two volumes of Harbinger and I'm dying to talk about them with somebody. Oh, oh man. Valiant. No, I should, I get, yes. Now I gotta. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I want to talk Morning Glories too, which well, I think is awesome. I feel like so. they're, kind of in the, they're kind of related because it's always the structure of a school filled with people who have special powers and it's oh, a one, and there's a one world conspiracy involved. So That was just like just like my high school we'll work on it that's pretty much like every high school and Merlin Man, thank you for coming back seriously bro thanks bro 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 seriously. bro bro and until <laughs> next time I am Jason Snell signing off for The Incomparable thanks for listening everybody thanks for listening everybody